Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Hallelujah. So uh, if you if one thing, if you didn't know about me, uh, a few people know as you've gotten to know me some, but even though I am a musician, I do not like musicals. I don't. I don't rock with musicals because nobody. And it was I, I've had this philosophy and one of our uh, old friends, they proved me wrong. But, you know, you no, nobody just springs out into song randomly. You know, you're not in the grocery store at Walmart looking for cereal. I'm looking for the cereal. Yeah, well. The rest of us don't, okay? When I'm looking for the cereal, I'm looking for the cereal. Mm, where's the honey? Where's the honeycomb? Oh, there it is. I'm not singing about the honeycomb. So in my mind, in Lindsay World, musicals are not fully real. However, there are, there are two. Yeah, there's two that I like. There are two that two musicals I like. One is called Hamilton. I love it so much. We named Cohen, you know, Cohen Alexander. So uh, then the other one. I love it. it's called Tit Tick Boom. And within Tit Tick Boom, I love it so much that I've downloaded well, I, I downloaded a soundtrack for Hamilton, but also I downloaded a soundtrack for Tit Tick Boom. I love it so much that I even have a list of songs within there that I'm like, I could just listen to on repeat, repeat. There's one every Sunday I listen to <laughs> that it gets it gets a little annoying. I remember uh, uh, it may have been last Sunday or the Sunday before, I put it on YouTube on the TV. I said, all right, Kellen, here we go, sit down. And uh, he had just finished breakfast. What are we about to watch? I said, you're about to watch something that's going to change your life and he said okay and you know i'm building up and i hit play and it's sunday in the blue silver chromium diner and he's just like <laughs> the whole time i'm just like you know I'm, I'm working to it cleaning up their uh the breakfast and all that stuff and he's just like when it was over he's like finally and i'm like son <laughs> you don't know how to appreciate good music but within this play there's one song uh there's or within this musical there's one song um I can't even think the name escapes me, but anyways, I, it's, it's sad because it's my third favorite one on there. But there's this line within there where the artist says, hey, what a way to spend the day. Michael's song, I think that's what it's called. Hey, what a way to spend the day. And I love this song because uh, it, it's, it's, it's actually kind of sad, but there's, there's a glimmer of hope within it. But, um, you know, the, the person that wrote it, his friend, was, um, his friend had been given a terminal a diagnosis for a terminal illness that he had. So within the song, he begins to describe their first encounter and how they met. And when they met, like it wasn't it wasn't ideal. All these different things are going wrong and like they're missing lines and all these different things. And it's just it's, it's nothing to be proud of. But then after he lists all these different things and then he says, but hey, what a way to spend the day. Because he had determined that, listen, no matter what happened at the end of the day, I got to spend it with you. So what better way to spend my life? but be in your company or be in your fellowship. And as believers, if you don't know where I'm going, this, we're about to, I'm about to rein it in. As believers, we get, to, uh, we get the opportunity to be in fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. We've talked, we've talked about that for months now, how we are in this perichoresis fellowship. That's, we're in the circle dance with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And he put us back in union through Jesus. We are in union with God. Somebody say, I'm in union with God. I'm, union with God. I'm one with him. So because we're one with him, what, we, what a beautiful opportunity when I, was, when I was praying and thinking about what to talk about this morning, all of a sudden that just bursted out of me, but oh, what a way to spend our days. Amen. Oh, what a way to spend our days. 
Oh, what a way. Somebody say, oh, what a way. To spend our days. All right, you ready to get into it? So, you know, right now, everywhere you look, everywhere you look, there are more and more reasons to believe. There are more and more reasons to put your trust in. There's more and more reasons to place your confidence in Jesus. There's more and more reasons to, 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 uh, to tighten that grip, tighten that firm persuasion in the Father, Son, and Spirit. What I mean by that is you look around the world and you see more and more reasons to believe in Jesus versus to believe in the culture. Amen? In Acts chapter 16, uh, we're going to start in verse 22. Let me explain what's going on and give you some context just because I, I didn't want to read the full 16 through 30, uh, was it 16 through 34? I didn't want to read all of it just for time's sake, but just to uh, kind of give you a synopsis before we go into verse 22. What's going on is Paul and Silas, they are landed in this town and they're walking around and they're about to do ministry for the Lord. And all of a sudden, the scripture says that they were bombarded with this one girl who was, uh, who was possessed by a spirit, possessed by a demonic spirit and she'll go around frustrated and I love this translation the pastor translation said that she frustrated Paul I'm like there we go about time you know because you know we uh, we make it seem like we're so holy sometimes that we can't be frustrated but I don't know about you I get frustrated I get frustrated when it's 12 o'clock and we ain't eight you know I'm like hey let's move this thing along I'm the, the other part of my mind when we're preaching it's, it's close to 12 I'm like all right Holy Spirit you know you, you do what you need to do look, 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 come on son come on this vessel <laughs> this vessel right here needs replenishment okay so if anybody else gets like this thank you all right we understand but the scripture literally says that she was frustrating Paul of Silas. Literally, she would she would go around. She would she would uh, she would mock. She was sent to divide. Literally, the scripture says that she was uh, the spirit that she was possessed with was a spirit of divination. She was meant to divide them. She would do public spectacles, trying to get people to notice them and get their attention off of what Paul and Silas were saying. But also this girl, what happened was um, one. It, I love the scripture because it finally said when Paul had had enough. One day it said when Paula had enough, he turned around and he cast the spirit out of her and instantly she was freed. Now, this is great. We would all this is the part of the story. We all be like, whoa, but no, uh, the, the story doesn't end there because um, this girl, she was actually a slave and she her masters used this demonic spirit that had uh, bound her up. They would use it to get her to prophesy about the future, the false future, and then they would make money off of it. Well, she's been freed from the spirit. Instead of the masters being like, you are no longer bound, no more chains, no more, you are free, you know, freedomless, instead of them saying freedomless good on you, they're like, oh man, we ain't gonna make no money. We can't make no money anymore. How did this happen? So they trace it down to Paul and Silas, and then they take Paul and Silas before the council, because they are upset that these, these, these men had taken their opportunity to make money on the side. So in verse 22, it says this, <clears throat> A great crowd gathered and all the people joined in to come against them. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped off, stripped of their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. Verse 23, after they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas undaunted prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly a great, suddenly a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. 
Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open, assuming, assuming that all the prisoners had escaped. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Watch verse 28. When Paul shouted in the darkness, stop, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for a light. When he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? A. They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all of your family. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. Watch this, 33 and 34. Even though the hour was late, he, was wa he, he washed their wounds. The one that beat him ended up washing them. Let, let that marinate. Then he and all his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home and set them at his table and fed them. Watch this. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. So I love this because honestly, what's happened is Paul and Silas, we've heard the story before with Paul and Silas, they are imprisoned. And I love it because uh, one verse that we read, it may be in verse 26, don't quote me on it, but literally it said that as they were sitting in the middle of jail, they began to sing songs and praises to God. Let, let's be honest. If you in jail, like if I'm in jail, last thing I'm going to be like, Jaira, you are enough. And I'm just being, I'm just, I'm keeping it 100. 100 with you. I ain't singing John. I'm singing Mama. <laughs> oh, Mama. <laughs> Kelsey. You know, well, you think about it. When we get trapped somewhere where when we're stuck in the car, the car don't start. Uh, you know, you ain't in the car singing Jaira. Or you ain't singing I'm free to love you. Or, you know, you're not singing, you know, all I want to do is love you. All I want to do is I exalt thee. I mean, you're not, get, you're not getting down with the classics. You know, you know, you can even be like, you know, amazing, great. No, you're like, why ain't this car starting? Ah, you know, the bills are doing, you ain't got the money job. No, you're not. You know, we should, but we're not. But I love this because it says Paul and Silas were singing songs and hymns. They were worshiping the Lord in the midst of their uh, separation. In the midst of being restrict, uh, uh, in the midst of being stripped of all resources, in the midst of having to, you know, their wounds are exposed. They have wounds because they have been stripped and beaten in front of everybody, publicly, and still they had the gumption to be like, "Lord, you're so good. Jesus, you're so good. How good are you, man? I, I just want to sing about you." And I love that that it mentions a footnote. It mentions that the rest of the jailers or the rest of the people in prison they could hear their worship. You know, the scripture doesn't talk about what they were thinking, but I love this because if you're going to be in jail, if Paul and Silas are going to be in jail, they're like, hey, what a way to spend our time in here by praising the Lord. What a way to spend our time in here by worshiping Jesus. Man, watch this. And when the prison cells open because of an earthquake caused by our mighty Papa, they're like, what a way. Well, what, what, what a what an opportunity. Hey, hey. Here's how you get saved. You know, they could have, you know, if it, if it was Lindsay, you know, if Lindsay was Paul and, you know, the, the jailer's like, oh, you know, coming to me forgiveness or well, took that rob like, hey, 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 you remember, you remember this two hours ago? You was using this rob, brother. You know, it's time to get that payback. You ever heard of payback? <laughs> Turn around. You about to get some payback. You know, let me show you what's up. But the Lord did not put Lindsay back in there. Mom's like, thank you, Lord. This is my son. Oh, my Lord. Hey. But literally, Paul, he could have been he could have been vengeful. He could have been spiteful. But instead, 
He led him to the Lord. Oh, what a way to spend our days to where we can be in the midst of a inconvenient uh, encounter, inconvenient moment, unideal situation. And still we find a way to be like, Lord, how can you be glorified in this? Lord, let me glorify you in this moment. Lord, let me glorify you even if I only have a dollar in the bank account. Lord, let me glorify you even when I got to refill the gas again and gas is going up and gas is going down. Lord, let me, Lord, let me glorify you even when I'm on my job and it's a Monday again. Lord, Lord, let me, oh, what a way to spend my days where I can glorify you when it's somebody else that's getting blessed and rewarded and provided for and still I had the same things that I saw. Lord, oh, what a way that I could glorify you in this moment. Oh, what a way for us to spend our days. Amen. Amen. So just as uh, just as there are more and more reasons to believe in the Father, Son and Spirit there, there's an invitation for us to not believe in the Trinity. There are, there are invitations you look all around. There are invitations for us to not believe that God is good. There are invitations for us to not believe that Jesus is with us, that he's the friend that sits closer to the, than a brother. But in those moments, we should lean into the same things that Joshua leaned into. Joshua said in Joshua chapter, what was it, 24 verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> he said this, so fear the Lord, and you've probably heard this before, so fear the Lord and serve him. He said this to the nation of Israel wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today. Somebody say choose today. Jesus. Whom you will serve. Will you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me, somebody put your hand on your chest. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I love this because that word serve. Now, we've been breaking down the Hebrew and Greek. The reason we do this is because things get lost in translation. But that word serve in the Hebrew, you know what one of the definitions for it? Worship. Whoa. You know, last year when we did that series on worship, we we unpacked on how worship was meant to be face to face. Your face pressed against the face of God. So, you know, worship isn't just a song that we sing. It's not just a portion of the service. No, no. Worship is when we are face to face with God and we can see him for who he truly is. And when we see him, we get to see us who we were always created to be. So when watch this, when Joshua literally when he was saying, Lord, uh, as for me and my house, we are going to worship the Lord. He was saying, as for me and my family, we're going to have a face-to-face -face relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. As for me and my, you can do whatever you want to do. But as for me and my household, and I remember growing up as a kid, I used to get so proud whenever I would hear Dad preach that scripture. I'd be like, yeah, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I could just remember me and my little blue suit just, ah. I just, I just felt the inner, like the grown version of Lindsay within little Lindsay just, ah, yeah. We will serve the Lord. Me and my household. I would slap my chest back then. We will serve the Lord. Mm, some many, many years later, <laughs> still slap my chest. We will serve the Lord. You ain't got to slap your chest, but maybe you need to have that determination that no matter what it looks like out these double doors, no matter what the bank account looks like, no matter what reports come across the news and they're coming across on the or every hour on the top of the hour, no matter what it looks like, no matter who talks to you or no matter who ignores you, no matter who comes in your life or no matter who goes, you will have that face to face relationship with the father. Yeah. Face to face relationship. Yeah. 
you're see you're you're you if uh, for those that have best friends you know you're not best friends with somebody if you can't talk to them face to face you know it doesn't do you any good you know for those that are married it doesn't do you any good to turn your back around and then talk to your spouse right. it doesn't profit anybody in fact it'll start some stuff if you're looking for trouble, try that, all right? <laughs> you're looking for trouble, try that. But when you turn around and face to face, ooh, the relationship changes. The conversation changes. The moment changes. The vibe, it changes. When we have that face to face relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit, oh, man. And I love this because he said, for, as for me and my household, we will have that face to face relationship with the, with the Father. And I love this because it made me think of one of my favorite movies, and it came on Last week and one of the days I got off early, it was on. I was like, oh, God, you're so good, Papa. And, uh, you know, I, you, if you want to watch it, you can. If not, you, it's not for the faint of heart. I'll say that. It's not for the faint of heart. But one of my favorite movies is called Dark Tower. And it's based off book. I never read the book. I'm one of those I'm bad about. Movies can be based off a book. And I'm like, well, let's just watch the movie. You know, <laughs> it's quicker, you know. But, <laughs> hey, but there's, there's, there's been a few where I'm like, oh, the book is so much better. But this, you know, I've had people say, well, Lindsay, you should read the book. I'm like, should I, you know, the quicker version, because Papa is like, you know what, I'm creating Lindsay. He has a short attention span. He don't have a whole lot of attention span to read a 30 chapter book when he could just watch a, you know, hour 45, two hour movie. And I'm like, OK, God, I see you. Thank you. You know, you drove that car down my lane. So I'm going to get in it and we're going to watch the movie. So I love this because there is uh, the there's, you know, obviously in every movie, there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. I mean, in this movie, the, the bad guy, he's trying to conquer the world like any other, you know, action type of movie. And the, the group that is keeping him from conquering the world is a group of gunslingers, Western gunslingers. And uh, and literally they have this creed. And I love and I love it because well, you're going to hear why I love it. But in this creed, they literally say right before they do anything, it's something that they have to quote. It's something that they learn. It's something that they get it into their heart. And I remember preaching this when we was in youth ministry. I was preaching all the kids would be like, what? And then we would mail it home and they were like, oh, OK, it took a minute, Pastor Lindsay, but we see what you're saying. I'm like, OK, so just stay with me. But I love it because the literally the gunslinger's creed says, I do not aim with my hand. He who aims with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. He who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I do not kill with my gun. He who kills with his gun has forgotten the face of his father. The most important takeaway or is the repetitive line within that creed is forgotten the face of his father. Why? Because the face of the father, it sets purpose and it sets identity and it sets instruction and it sets mission. See, when they can when they can see the face of their father, they know, OK, this 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 is what I'm supposed to be doing. Everything opposite of that, that that's not uh -uh, that's not me. I was created to look like this right here. And in order to see that, you have to have that face to face relationship. I love it because the father establishes identity and purpose. And I wrote this down. And to go rogue and be led by your emotions and selfish desires is contradictory to your original God given identity. That's a bar. I'm going to run that back. See, to look at the face of your heavenly father, because they understood this and this is a fictional movie, but they understood that to be able to look at the face of the heavenly or to look at the face of your father, the father establishes identity and purpose. Somebody say identity and purpose. The Father establishes identity and purpose. Therefore, when you and I go rogue by being led by our emotions, 
by being led by situations, by being led by circumstances, by being led by the opinions of people, by being led by our finances, by being led by uh, hang, uh, hunger, by being led by caffeine, by being led by anything and everything that is the opposite of the face of our father. Watch this. It's to go contradictory against our God given purpose. Our God, our intended purpose, what God put you in Lexington, Tennessee, put you in the in the home that he put you in, put you in the job that he to go against all that is being led by your emotions. Jesus. Being led by your emotions. And literally this group of people, they said, if we if we're led by our emotions, we have forgotten the face of our father. Literally, they're saying if we are being led by our emotions, we are taking everything that we were created for and we are throwing it away and doing our own thing. Doing our own thing. So when Joshua was saying he and his family will worship the Lord, he was saying me and my family will choose to press our face upon the one in whom we came from in the very beginning. And with that, I choose to see him and allow him to be the filter which I live my life. When Joshua was saying, as me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Me and my household, we will, we will worship the one whence I came from. We will look at the one from when I came from it and we will allow what we see to be the way we live our life. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like Acts chapter 17, verse 28. In him we live, we move, we have our existence. In him, we, it's, it's, I've been saying that for, I don't even know how long. If you ain't got it memorized, you might wanna memorize it. Not just so you can quote it next week, but so you can quote it in the moments of tribulation. Oh, I, no, 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 I'm not shaking because I live, I move, I have my being in him. Paul put it there or Luke put it there for, for a purpose. But oh, what a way to spend our days. Oh, what a way to spend our days. Oh, what a way for you to spend your days alive by believing in the Lord. Yes. By having a firm persuasion. We said in the Greek, faith means firm persuasion. I like to think of it as a handshake. You grab somebody's hand and you shake it firmly. I remember as a kid when I was taught to shake somebody's hand, they said, never shake it with you. So I remember I would practice. <laughs> I never told Kelsey this, but I would grab the arm we had in our, in our double wide. There's a, a mom had this like little flower chair and flower uh, couch and da, da, da. And on the chair, I would grab the arm of it. When I would practice handshaking, I would grab it like, mm. and if I could see my dentions in the little fabric, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, all right, I got it, I got it. And that would always be my goal for whenever I shake somebody's hand. Never worked, you know. As far as I know, I didn't break anybody's hand. Probably could have, but, you know, God restrained me. I was good like that. <laughs> but that would be, so when I think of faith, I think of that firm persuasion, that firm grip. And according to the Bible, we are supposed to have that firm persuasion in God. That firm grip to believe that he is good no matter what. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a way to spend our days. Looking at the face of our heavenly father by looking at Jesus. Oh, what a way for you to spend your days alive, looking at the face of Father by looking at Jesus. And then watch this, taking what we see and parenting and loving and working and pumping gas and grocery shopping and driving and dreaming and sleeping, doing all those things based off of what we see the Father, Son, and Spirit do. Because see, when you look at the face of the Father, you get, oh, this, this, this is who I was meant to be all along. When you're looking at the face of Jesus, you're in the presence of him. Oh man, that peace. This is where I'm meant to live. Not in this, in, in this state of chaos and worryation and anxiety. No, 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 no. This is where I'm meant to live. This is where I'm meant to reside. This is how I'm meant to hold my head up. I'm not meant to hold my head down. I'm, I'm meant to, 
I'm meant to be somebody. I'm, I, I was created to be somebody. I wasn't created. God wasn't just like, oh, you know, got a little extra training made you. No, no, no. He was intentional when he created you. He was intentional. You are the product of intentionality. You are the product of intentionality. I don't care what the life has looked like up until this point. Up until this point you are the product of intentionality. God does not regret you. Never has, never will. That's not based off of what you do. It's not based off of how much you pay. It's not based off of how much you read. It's based off of his goodness. It's based off of him being a heavenly father. As much as I love Kellen and Keenan and Cohen, there is no amount of dollars that they can pay daddy back for bringing them into this earth, for helping create them into this earth. <laughs> There's no amount. And I love them. Oh, I love, I love them boys. Got home yesterday, daddy, and all three of them come at me. Or no, it was Friday when I came by Montessori. Got off work, all three of them come at me. But they don't, have to, they, don't, they don't have to do that in order for their daddy to love them. But that's an outward sign of what's residing in them. And they have that because they know that their daddy feels the same way about them. The trick of the enemy is to get us to believe that the father doesn't feel that way about us. The trick of the enemy is to get us to believe that Jesus is not always on our side or the Holy Spirit is not always around. There's going to be some things you just got to tough it out and grit it and do it on your own, bless God. That's the illusion and lie of the enemy. But I'm here to tell you that if he went to a cross for you, he's, he didn't just go to a cross to, to do this one, this one hit wonder and then go back to heaven and never have anything to, to never be a part of your life ever again. No, he's, the, he's Emmanuel. God with us. He's the incarnate son, which means he lives in us. You know, yesterday I was telling, uh, I was showing Kelsey and I told mom and dad, but on my route, I found this house and oh my gosh, it is the most beautiful house I've ever seen. I'm like, wow. I'm like, man, I would love to live in there. I'm I'm taking a package up to, I'm just like, I'm an awestruck. I'm like, if if you probably go back and look on the camera here, I'm just you know, the dogs were inside, so therefore I could take some time to just, like, breathe it in. Had a, had a lake behind there. I mean, oh, man, it was calendar. It was calendar worthy. It was Instagram worthy. I was like, wow, look at all this space. You know, secluded. I can't see the neighbors. Can't hear the neighbors. You know, just you, you, know, you yourself and Irene. I don't know. You know, and I'm just, wow. And I'm like, man, Lord, I, I would love to live in this house. And we all have those ideal houses. You know, you look on TV, you see those, those magnificent homes, those magnificent places to live in. And I'm pretty sure God, God created all of it. And still the vessel, the home he chooses to live in is in you. Amen. In his mind, the, mo- the most magnificent home he wants to live in is the one you see in the mirror. Amen. Mm. But Lindsay, this 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 one this one uh, this one isn't isn't it's not Instagram ready. It's not it's not perfect at all times. Sometimes it slips up at the mouth, or sometimes it has the wrong type of thoughts, or sometimes it likes to listen to the uh, not the most gracious music, or sometimes it likes to do this. Sometimes it's being led by its emotions. Sometimes this house likes to be led by caffeine or food. Still, it don't matter. He chooses to live in you. Amen. Oh, what a way to spend my days. Oh, what a way. To have this vessel inhabited by the Holy Spirit. To have this vessel inhabited by the Father, Son, and Spirit. Oh, what a way for you to spend your days. 
this is I promise this is probably a light message and we'll be done very soon. But uh, if you don't get that, what a way to spend your days. Because if you're like me, there's you know, there's one day this week I'm driving, working. I'm like, ah, Lord. All right, Lord. So what's new? Just, you know, Lord, what's new? Show me what's new. Show me the father. Lord, tell what do you got for me, God? Eventually, my prayers went to Lord, what you got for me? I'm like, Lord, what you got for me? Because all the windows down, it's just me and the cows, me and the, the guard roosters. Can't nobody else hear me. So I'm just like, God, what you got for me today? Lord, what you want to tell me? Now I'm making a song out of it. I'm singing praises and melodies based off of my prayers. I'm like, Lord, what you want to tell me? I mean, I got a good beat to it. Got the, got the drones being kicked off by the tires and the, you know, the gravel is, is playing the snare. Lord, what you want to tell me? God, what you want to tell me? Tell me something good. And I'm like, I'm, I'm into it. I'm killing it. Uh, me and the backup choir, which is the packages, we're just singing along, all these different things. I'm like, Lord, what you want to tell me? And then eventually, eventually my flesh starts to kick in. I'm like, man, man, Lord, it's the same thing I did last week. Man, Lord, it's the same thing I did last month. I'm going down the same road, Jesus. Uh, this house got this. They got another package. Lord, I just delivered packages to them yesterday. Lord, why? Why? Ah. And then I begin to, the flesh, my flesh, begin to the, the illusions that the enemy was presenting in my life or presenting to my mind, those begin to become entertaining or enticing and believable. And I'm like, Lord, like, Lord, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, Lord. What? And then I begin to base my self-worth off of in my present moment, which is what the enemy wants you to do. Which is what the enemy wants you to do. And that's why he brought that song to my remembrance. Oh, what a way to spend the day. And I'm like, Oh, Lord, Lord, what a way to spend my days. Even if even if I did this next week, next month, next year, still, oh, what a way to spend my days not delivering packages. Oh, what a way to spend my days trusting in you. Oh, what a way that I get to spend my days having a conversation with you. Last time I checked, none of y'all have ever had a conversation with the president. If you have, please tell me about that. Last time I checked, we've never had a conversation with the pope, the queen, which, nah. None of, none, of, none of us ever, you know, we've never had a conversation with Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan. Never had a conversation with Chef Curry. But I promise you, if any of you guys ever had one of those, you would be telling everybody about it. You'd be t if you had a conversation with Oprah, you'd be telling everybody, oh, I met Oprah, you know, the big O. Yeah, yeah, me and her, we was talking, you know, da, da, da. And it, it would make, it would consume your conversation, it would consume your thoughts, and it would consume your days, at least for, you know, weeks at a time. But oh, what a way that we get to spend our days conversating with the one that created heaven and earth. Conversating with the one that created the things that we see and the things that we don't. Conversating with the one that, that literally saved your life over and over and over again. Oh, what a way to spend our days, Amen. Oh, what a way to spend our day. So honestly, we said this. We said earlier that literally what Joshua was saying sounds just like Acts chapter 17, verse 28. And when we look at the face of our heavenly father, we can we can allow what we see to to enable us to parent the right way. To do our marriages the right way, to be better employees, to to we can allow what we see in order to enable us to shop at the grocery store, to pump gas in our car, to fold laundry. I mean, like the list goes on and on. There's nothing that you can't see in the father and replicate in your life. There's nothing because why? Because God is not withholding anything from you. 
Literally, James says, if we seek wisdom, believe he will give it to you and then ask him for it. Ask him for it. Lindsay, what are you saying? You saying that I can ask God if I don't know how to do something, I can ask God and he will tell me how to do it? Yes. Why? Because he is a good father. When Kellen Kellen or Kenan asked me certain questions and I'm like, I have to struggle because I'm like, okay, how do I want to answer this? Because there's no bone within me that doesn't want them to not know anything. No, I want them to know the full picture, but I got to figure out in a way that they can understand it. And a lot of times with God, a lot of times he's trying to communicate in a way that you understand. But if we if we instantly build up uh, walls and instantly get defensive and instantly get frustrated because he's not answering us in the timely manner that we think he should answer. We instantly pull back or we instantly pull away. Well, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to answer you. But first, I got to get this through you. Amen. So understand this, when we look at the face of the Father and we allow that to to show us how to live this life better, having that type of perspective is how we take sides with Jesus. That's how you take sides with Jesus. Whose side are you on this morning? Are you on the side of Jesus or are you on the side of the way you perceive life to be? Well, this is the way I grew up. This is the way I've always known it. So it's going to be this way. Is that, does Jesus feel the same way? Does the Father, Son, and Spirit feel the same way, or, or is it just us? You know, there's some things that I like to do. There's some things I like. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are better cakes in the world than a red velvet cake. But if you ask Lindsay, red velvet's king. All the others come second. You know, I, you know you can, we could go to Chicago. We go to New York. We go whatever. We go to Paris, France. And they bring out the most exquisite cake. And I'm like, oh, man, that looks so good. Where the red velvet at? <laughs> you ain't got red velvet? Man, you don't know how to make a cake, you know? <laughs> you can't you can't make red velvet brah you're missing out but that's because that's based off of Lindsay that's based off of my preferences and we all have preferences but understand this if we allow our preferences to be the filter in which we live life we will miss everything that God has for us but if we allow his preferences, if we allow his truth, the spirit of truth, if we allow that spirit to be the filter in which we perceive our life, you will not miss a thing. Amen. Oh, what a way to spend your days being led by the spirit of truth. Oh, what a way to waste your time being led by your emotions. Mm, yeah. I'm going to say that again. Oh, what a way to waste your days. Oh, what a way to waste your hours. Oh, what a way to who who, just show of hands. Anybody love to waste their time during the day? You wake up. Oh, man, I can't wait to waste my time. Oh, I can't wait for the hours to pass by. I can't wait for the minutes to pass by and I've done nothing. Yes. None of us like that. Nobody likes that. But we do that every day when we're led by our emotions. We do that every day when we allow our emotions to take the front seat, to take the driver's seat. And lead us and guide us in how we perceive people are going to treat us. Lead us and guide us how people are going to talk to us. Lead us and guide us on how um, different things are going to come our way. Oh, what a way to waste our days. So how do we take sides with Jesus and how you see our world or how we see our world? Here's how we take sides with Jesus. Just two things. Here's how we take sides with Jesus. Number one, we identify who is not at fault. See, as human beings, we love to point the finger at who's at fault. If you want to take sides with Jesus, first step, you have to identify who's not at fault. Who's not at fault? Let me give you an example. Uh, Friday night when I was pumping gas into the mail car, 
you know, I pumped it in and it didn't take as much as I thought. So I'm like, I'm feeling good. Like, ooh, you know, the kids, um, kids been fed. I think they had already, no, I don't think they received baths yet. So I'm, I'm in a good, I'm in a good headspace. I'm like, yeah, you know, just finished a book audio book. I'm like, oh man, get ready to get in the car, you know, check the oil, check the fluids, everything looks good. Even threw some trash out. I'm, I'm feeling good. Like I should, you know, get ready, put the key in the switch, turn it. But no, no, no. I'm like, oh no. Pull the key out. Let's start this over. Nothing. All the lights come on, radio come on, AC come on, the car don't stop. I'm like, Take it out, and there's a car behind me that's waiting for me to pull up so they can get gas. So I'm just like, <laughs> uh, then so I'm like, I'm using my willpower. Then I'm like, come on, car, you know, I'm leaning over like, you gotta, you gotta turn this way, mm, over and over, and the frustration is building up. I'm like, oh God, seriously, God. Papa, what's going on? Really, Papa? You want to choose this time to bring me to, 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 to create patience within me, to create peace within me? This is not doing it. Instantly, I'm pointing the finger at God. I'm pointing the finger at this situation. I'm pointing at Papa. And it's turning over, turning over, nothing, nothing. And I just sit back in my seat, take a deep breath. I'm like, <sighs> and then it hits me. I'm like, oh, Lord, this ain't you. Papa, this ain't you. Papa... This situation, you didn't cause this. And see, that's what the devil wants you to believe. In the moments of inconsistency, in the moments of inconvenience, man, I, sure, I thought the Lord loved you. Man, I did. I thought, I, the scripture said, I thought you were the apple of his eye. If you were the apple of his eye, why are you having to go through this? Why are you still single? Why are you still uh, living check to check? Or why, don't, why haven't you hit the lotto? Why haven't you hit the million dollars? Why, why, why? I thought the Lord, I thought the Lord. It's the same lie that the enemy spun with Adam and Eve. If I, I thought you were created in the image of God, I thought you were like God. Well, if you were like God, you could eat of that one thing. And in that moment when I finally realized, oh, wait, this, this isn't real. Lord, this, you didn't cause this. You work all things for my good. Not for my bad. He's not sitting in heaven trying to work things to frustrate you to confuse you. The author of confusion is Satan. Amen. And in that, confused, in that moment of confusion, that's who was driving that in my mind was Satan. Jesus. Wasn't the Lord. The Lord wasn't, okay, well, we need to teach Lindsay peace, so we're going to make sure his car don't start. We need to teach him patience. We need to teach him how to da-da-da. So no, no, no. Like we said last week, we said in these last days, you can in the in the fourth quarter, you can expect fouls. Do not be surprised when when fouls happen. Do not be surprised when things uh, inconvenience inconveniences or letdowns. Don't be surprised when those things happen. They are they are par for the course. But in these last days, we said last week that in the last days, when those things happen, we lean further into God, not away. Amen. So in that moment, when I realized, OK, Lord, this ain't you. So then I was like, okay, Lord, let me lean into you. So Lord, I thank you that this isn't you. You didn't cause this, but you can reverse this. Amen. I said, you can reverse this. First, reverse my mind, reverse my perspective. Help me to see that these things aren't you. These moments of frustration, these moments of confusion, these moments of inconvenience are not you. So once we got through that, put the key in the car, didn't start. But then my reaction was, okay, Lord, I know you're still working it out. Sit back. 
put key back in, then start. Okay, Lord, I'm trusting. I'm still trusting you because I know that you didn't cause this, but you can fix this. See, that's the way the conversations need to lead. Lord, I know you didn't cause this, but I know you can fix this. Lord, I know you didn't. I know you didn't put me out on this island by myself, but I know you can bring me people. You can surround me with people that will love me and help me thrive in this life. Lord, I know you didn't cause those people to leave my life, but I know that you can bring the right people back in. Oh, what a way to spend our days trusting in the Lord. And once my trust was finally in the Lord, I put the key in the switch. I was like, thank you, Lord, for working all things out for my good. All things out for my good. And that's the goal of the Lord. The goal of the Lord is not to catch you in a moment to where you have to literally keep turning and turning and turning and finally something works. The goal of the Father, Son, and Spirit is to get you to see him for who he truly is. That's what we said last week. We are free to see the Father for who he truly is. And who is he truly, Lindsay? He is good. He is good. He is faithful. He is loyal. He's the friend that sits closer than a brother. The friend that sits closer than a brother. The friend that sits closer than a brother. So we said how we take sides with Jesus is by identifying who's not at fault. If the de- watch this. If the devil can deceive you, then he can defeat you. If the devil can deceive you, then he can defeat you. And he will do this by lying to you and convince you that God is not on your side in all things. In that moment when the car went start, I thought, God, I, where you at, Papa? We've all said that in those moments of heatedness or those moments of friction. Lord, where you, I thought you said, Lord, I thought you, you prophesied over me last week. Lord, I thought you. Da, da, da. And that's what the devil wants to do, to convince you and trick you that God is not on your side in all things. When the opposite is true. There is not a moment in your life. There's not a there's not even a nanosecond in your life where God is not for you. Ah, ah, yes. There's not a nanosecond in your life that God's not for you. If he is for you. Who can be against you? Not him. Not I'm going to add I'm going to add a footnote to that scripture. Not him. If God is for you, who could be against you? Not the Lord. The Lord's not against you. The Lord is for you. How, how, he's for you. How for, uh, for you is he? He is so for you that he literally came on the earth, lived the same life that you, went, that you have lived, went through the, uh, battled the same emotions, battled the same tendencies, all those, and put them to death on the cross, made sure that he tell, took care of every sin down to the very detail. Put it in the grave. Rose above the grave, sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you daily. Send his spirit to live and inhabit so you can live, move, and exist in him. Not only just Sunday, not just Monday, not just Tuesday, but every day of the week, every day of the month, every month of the year, every year for the, uh, the, the remainder of your existence. He is with you, for you, working things out for your good. Not for your bad, not for your confusion, not for your division, but for your good. For your good. Oh, what a way to spend these days. Oh, what a way to spend my day. Trusting and believing that, okay, the God of heaven and earth, the God of angels' army is all by my side. He's by my side. He's on my side. On my side. I remember when I was a kid, we would play sports in, in gym class. And there was, there was one kid, his name was Tyler McNeely. Tyler McNeely was a tall dude. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. 
when it came time to play basketball or flag football or anything like that, anything that, you know, requires some, some, some jumpage, you want a Tyler on your team. And whatever, and I, I see where Kellen and Keena get it from now, but whenever I would get picked on a team and if they pick Tyler on, I'm like, oh, we got this in the bag. I'll be like, yes, we're going to win. Didn't matter who they have, we're going to win. Like, who, who you got? We got Tyler on our side, baby. Like, the game over. Like, go and sign the paper now and go, we take the victory, we take the trophy. But if Tyler wasn't on, I'm like, Shh, man, we're going to lose. Oh, we're going to lose. Get home from school. How was school? We, it, was, it was bad. Tyler wasn't on our team. Well, it's okay, Lynch. No, it ain't, Mama. If Tyler's on our side, we always win. <laughs> If the Father, Son, and Spirit are on your side, you always win. Amen. And watch this. There's not a time when they're not on your side. Amen. There is not. You were the reason that he came onto the earth. Amen. You were the reason that he went to the cross. Why? Because he wanted to redeem you just to bring you back into fellowship with him. Why? Because he's that good father mentioned in Luke 15 that could run to the edge of the road and wrap his arms around the sun to shield him and let everybody know, hey, we're not going to follow the law. We're not going to stone him. We are going to bring him back and embrace him and love him. He is the father that can put on his robe on you, give you the seal of sonship or daughtership. He is the father that can celebrate you, give you the fattest calf, throw you the greatest party, sing your, his, uh, sing your name in the songs that he sings daily. Why? Because he is that good Good father, good father, good father. We said it last week and I posted this, but the, 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 the voice of religion sounds like the older brother in that story. Oh, what a way to spend our days where we're not listening to the voice of religion. Where we're not saying, okay, well, I, I, I didn't do this today, so therefore I shouldn't be expecting God to, to move in my life. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't open my Bible. Da, da, da. I, I, I didn't pay in the offer. I forgot to pay my tithe or I forgot to, you know, I, that was a missed opportunity. I didn't witness to somebody, so I shouldn't. But no, no, no. That's, that's what the voice of religion sounds like. Expecting God to do based off of what you've done for him. As much as I love my boys, there's nothing that they can do to convince daddy to love them anymore. Now, the love that daddy has, it's unconditional for you. The love that Papa has for you, it's unconditional for you. Yes. It's unconditional, amen? amen? Number two, step number two. We'll, we'll, we'll get ready to end, but step number two, count it all joy. Count it all joy. In other words, make a calculation to which joy can be the only logical conclusion. Count it all joy. And this is a tough one. This is definitely a tough one for me. It's something the Lord's been working on me, feels like, for years and years, and definitely this week. Count it all joy. Somebody say, count it all joy. Watch this in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. We'll read in the Passion Translation. James begins to teach us about how to count things all joy. He says this, my fellow believers, that's you. Somebody say, that's me. That's when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. Does anybody, anybody resonate with that? Amen. When it seems like you're facing nothing but difficulties, watch this. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Let's pause right there. Oh, man. Really, Lord? In the moment when the car wouldn't start, I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, look at this opportunity, God. Oh, God, I, I wasn't like, oh, Jara, no. I was like, Papa, really? When the kids get sick, I wasn't like, oh, this is an opportunity, Kelsey. The Lord's going to heal them. <laughs> I wasn't like that. I was like, oh, how much talent are we got to give them? We got somebody calling out there. Ah, really? We got pictures. Why are we doing this? Ah. 
gas go up. Really, God? I get a job where I got to put gas in the car and the gas will go, Lord, I thought you was with me. I thought you was on my side. People, <laughs> that's where I get it from. I've done that multiple times. <laughs> Since we've been home, I'm starting to see where I get a lot of my quirks and mannerisms, so I don't feel bad now. I'm like, mm. So y'all, y'all, if any of you are like, man, what is up with Lindsay? Look at them two. Look at one of them. One of them. Just letting you know. <laughs> Just letting you know. But I love this because James said, if we're facing difficulties, see those difficulties as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Watch this. Don't call your problems problems. We got to stop calling our problems problems. Identify them as situations or conditions favorable for advancement or success. Huh? Don't call your problems problems. Call them opportunities. Call them opportunities. See your problems as situations and conditions that are set up for you to succeed and thrive. I remember when we was living in Florida and we would do these, we would do these, uh, what was it, the uh, post-service meetings on, on Mondays. We would, you know, the leadership of the, uh, of the church where we would get together and we do post-service meetings. And, you know, back then I'm like, ah, oh, really? Post-service meetings? But then as I'm into it, I'm like, oh, this is good. We can correct what we fit. And then come next Sunday, we, you know, we do it better, da 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 And I remember at one point we would divide the meetings up into wins, uh, opportunities, and actions or something like that. And I'm like, opportunities? What's the opportunity? It's like, well, they're, they're the things that we miss, but we get the opportunity to correct them. I'm like, oh, man, that's powerful. See, you know, when we say, oh, look at this problem I have, it puts the responsibility and the burden on us. But when we say, look at this opportunity I get. But watch this. We're going to take it a step further. Look at this opportunity that the Lord gets to correct through me. Now the responsibility goes back on the Lord, and it's off your shoulders where it should have been to begin with. But because we're human, we take things on and we put them on our shoulders and we put them on top and on top and on top to the point that we can hardly move and we can hardly see the Father for who he really is. And James says, look at those opportunities for you to experience the greatest joy that you've ever experienced. Huh? What? So you mean to tell me when, when it's unconditional, when it's unideal, that's a setup for me to receive joy? Yes. It's a setup for you to be blessed. Amen. That's what they used to say when I was a kid. It's a setup to be blessed up. Amen? Amen. So watch this. Don't call your problems problems by identifying them as situations or conditions favorable for you to succeed or thrive. Paul said that the difficulties we face are opportunities for you and I to experience the greatest joy we can have. So understand this. On one side of the coin, Paul and Silas are going to jail. They're going, they're going to jail, and that was a problem of inconvenience. And on the other side of a coin... It was an opportunity to introduce the gospel to a jailer and his whole household. One side of the coin, they're in jail, they're locked up, won't let me out. They're locked up. No food, no Wi-Fi, no cell reception, no, no, no indoor. I mean, like, bad, bad thing, yes, we can say it, bad thing, no indoor plumbing, no electricity. Oh, Lord, that's a nightmare for this boy right here. That is a, I, we, this is a blessing. All right. But on the other side of the coin, they had the opportunity to introduce not only just one person, but a whole household to, to develop a firm persuasion 
and the Father, Son, and Spirit. And it said that even those late, the scripture we read it say, even those late in the hour still, they got baptized. Why? Because they were so moved. They were so moved by Paul being like, oh, what a way to spend my time in jail by worshiping and singing songs to the Lord. Oh, what a way to spend my time in this moment of inconvenience and isolation by pressing my face against God. Oh, what a way to do what Joshua did, which was to say, as for me in this house right here, as for me in this vessel, we will put our face, press our face against the Father and replicate what we see. And it worked because the jailer was like, I, I want that. I want that. Not only do I want that, I want it for my whole family. I want it for my wife. I want it for my kids. I want it for my household, and I want to take it and replicate it everywhere I go. Why? Because Paul was like, oh, what a wonderful day to spend my time serving and worshiping and loving the Father, Son, and Spirit. Your, your problems are opportunities for you to succeed and thrive, if you can see them that way. Amen? Amen. Verse 3, Paul, or Paul says this. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Somebody say all things. All Let me say this. We never see, uh, I love this. I, I shouted yesterday. I probably scared one of the roosters, but we never see Jesus sleeping in the storm before he entered the wilderness. That's right. Ah! We never see Jesus have the bravery or watch this. We never see Jesus to have the trust in the father that he had to sleep in the middle of a storm until after he went through the wilderness. See, the Bible says that he went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And what Paul said, he said that we know that when our faith is tested, it stirs up something within us. In the wilderness, there was things that were stirred up within him that strengthened him. And now we see scriptures later that when he's sleeping in the middle of a storm, he's sleeping. Watch this. The ones that were worried were the ones that weren't in the wilderness. Developing that. See, you, you, you can't go out here and, and lift 500 pounds. You gotta go to the gym and, and test it. You gotta develop it. And then over time, you go. Whoosh. I remember last time I went to the gym, there was this cat that was younger than me, skinnier than me. All of a sudden, he's like, he's, he's uh, what is it, deadlifting. Deadlifting, 500 pounds. I'm looking, I'm like, good, googa, mooga. I let it slip too. I was like, good, googa, mooga. He looked at me, what'd you say? I said, I'm gonna say it again, sir. Good, googa, mooga. <laughs> and, uh, He's like, oh, it's nothing. You could do this. I said, no, I can't. <laughs> I said, I, I, I don't know. You're talking about, because I can't do that. He's like, oh, man, you just come with me a few times and I, you'll be able to do this. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, man. I said, how old are you? So I'm 23. I said, okay, I'm 33. I said, I'm in a point in my life where I'm just, I'm just trying to keep a few things up. I said, I'm just trying to keep around, keep up with my kids. I said, because the day that my kids can overtake me, that's when it's over. I said, for right now, I just, I just try to, they think, they're like, man, we can't beat daddy. We're going to keep it that way. And he's laughing. And, he's, and I said, but man, that's impressive that you can do that. He said, man, just took time. But over time, he said, I didn't start with this. But over time, I got to this. I got to this. You may not be able to sleep through the midst of your storms right now, but over time, as you fortify that shield wall, you thought we was done with it. As you fortify that shield wall, as you stir yourselves up in the spirit, when the storms come, everybody on the boat can be frantic, everybody on the boat can be anxious, but you can be the one that is resting in it. 
resting, not because you're ignoring the storm. Oh, if we don't, if we don't say it, it's, you know, we don't acknowledge it, they're unknown. Because you have trust and you have confidence that your God is on your side. He is not going to let anything bad happen to you that will destroy you. It wasn't until after the wilderness that Jesus had the wherewithal to he can trust the Father. The storm is going on. I'm pretty sure he's, if he's sleeping, you know, the waves are rocking him. He's just, oh, my father's got this. And the only reason that he spoke to the storm, because everybody else, he's like, okay, peace be still. But he was the only one on the boat that was good with the storm, which lets us know that he could have sailed on the boat through the storm to still get to the other side. Which lets us know Storms are not as bad as we think they are. They're not as powerful and they're not as crippling as the devil likes to make us make them sing. Which lets us know that guess what? You can still be who you're supposed to be even in the midst of the storm. Even when situations are unideal, even when people talk about you or people leave you or people uh, uh, make fun of you, people mock you, or even when you have a million dollars or don't have a million dollars, even when the car starts or doesn't start, even when you're doing the same thing you did last week and last year, you can still be who God has called you to be. The storm is nothing. You came before the storm and you'll last after the storm as long as you put your trust in him. And Paul said, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure, to endure, to endure. See, that, that, that's, that's, that's not the glamorous part. He didn't say uh, power so you can conquer. Oh, we'd be, we'd really be shouting. If you, you got that power, you can conquer. No, he said, you got the power to endure. That means you got to go through it. You got to go through it. But, he, but the, 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 the answer is within the statement. You will go through it. You're not going to, it's not going to be the end of you. You're not going to go to it and end there. No, you're going to go through it. One of the greatest pieces of advice we've ever received was years ago. We had, uh, we had something happen and it was causing a family to lose trust in us and da, da, da. And I asked our pastor, I'm like, man, what do we do? And I'm expecting this great deep word. You know what he said to me? He said, you got to outlive it. I'm like, what? Outlive it? I'm, my flesh, I'm like, bro, I want you to lay hands on me. I want you to, I want you to, you know, throw the bacon grease on me, pray the fire, God, da, da, da. And then we go storm the castle and defeat them and all their rumors. He's like, no, Lindsay, you got to outlive it. And I was like, outlive it. And this, and this is one of the reasons I love him. He said, he said, because if, if you are right, the truth will surface. Amen. He said the truth will always surface. Yes. And if you, if you just keep doing the last thing the Lord told you to do, you'll look up months from now, years from now, you'll look up and guess what? People will see, oh, that was the truth all along. So everything else was a lie. And fast forward years now, I look and I'm like, oh, I, even, I forgot all that happened. Jesus. The truth surfaced. The true service. Endure all things. Endure all things. Until he, until he comes back for you, endure all things. Gas keeps going up, endure it. The power is in you to endure it. Verse 4. Please. <clears throat> I will say this. When the storms come in your life, your posture should be, look at this opportunity I have to trust in Jesus. 
Verse four, and then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection. Somebody say perfection. Perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Oh, I like that. Verse three, we thought we thought we thought it was done there just for us to endure. No, 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 because then after endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection. You know what perfection is? It's perfection. There's nothing more after perfection. Lindsay, that's pretty given, is it? Because we still keep seeking God. Lord, is there more? Lord, is there more? And he's like, I've given you the very tools that you need. You just got to stir it up. You just got to stir it up. I'm going I'm to go back to it just because I love it. But you buy a box of, of cake mitts. You know, you know, you get the edge, you get the milk, whatever. But everything in that box, that, that's what you need. That's what you need right there. And he's saying endurance grows even stronger. It will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing broken. We call that perfect shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The mirror Bible says it this way. It says, just like a mother hen patiently broods over eggs, steadfastness provides you with a consistent environment. And so patient prevails and proves your perfection, how entirely whole you are without any shortfall. Basically, what this saying is, if you can endure all things, you will see that there is never anything missing within you. You will see that you are already the beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. We said that last week and the week before. Beloved, what does that mean? That I'm loved the same way that God loves Jesus? That same love is extended to you. That's not a separate love. It's not a, you know, a second tier or a third tier. No, no, no. The same way the Father loves the Son, He loves you as well. Endure all things. Endure all things. Oh, what a way to spend our days. Oh, what a way to spend our days. Amen. Oh, what a way to spend our days being loved by God. Oh, what a way to spend our days putting our trust in Him. If you look at children, they know it best. But our, our oldest too, every night, Daddy, will you sit with us when it's time to go to bed? Why? Because they have this trust that if their father is in the room, they can rest and go off into sleepland, go off into dreamland. Oh, what a way to spend your days. Know that, okay, if I'm in the presence of the Father, Son, and Spirit, I can do whatever it is I need to accomplish. We need to have that same kind of tenacity. We need to have that same kind of perspective to know that, okay, Lord, just, just be with me. And if we're being honest, you ain't even got to ask him. Why? Because he's always there. Maybe it's more of a mental shift of where we're like, okay, Lord, I know you're in the room with me. I acknowledge you. Holy Spirit, I know you're in the room with me. As much as I love the fact that we sang the songs that we did today, the Holy Spirit didn't come in the moment that we started singing about the Father. He was always here. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life the moment that you're like, okay, God, 12 chapters done, tithe paid, morning prayer over. Nope. It's in him that we live, we move, we have our being. Oh, what a way to spend our days being in God. There we go. I like that. Oh, what a way to spend our days being in God.
Oh, what a way, church. Oh, what a way, church. Lindsay, what are you saying? I'm saying for the rest of your life, take joy, take comfort, take rest, take confidence in knowing that I exist in God. I exist in God. I exist in God. I exist in God. I'm loved by God. I'm protected. I'm provided by him. I am his responsibility. I'm not his burden. I'm his joy. I'm his invitation. I'm his and he is mine. I'm his beloved and he is my beloved. Oh, 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 what a way. Oh, what a way to spend the day being in God. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like for you. I don't know what next week's going to look like for you, but I know who's going to be with you. And that's the one that never left you. Hey, people come, people go, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Situations come up. Cars don't start. Health doesn't look good. Doctor doesn't give you the greatest report. Bank account is whatever it is. Jobs or whatever they are. Gas is whatever they are. Grocery stores, whatever it is. People are whoever they are. The list goes on and on. But he's consistent. His love is consistent. And he's on your side. Amen. He is on your side. Amen.